in every game, go 82-0. The only Mavericks podcast. Without a podcast around, would you even know? The only Mavericks podcast. The night is long without some audio. The only Mavericks podcast. Look there, a podcast-shaped hole. This is the Welcome to the Only Mavericks Podcast. I'm Tim Cato. I'm ready to talk about the Mavericks. We've got the family here. We've got Austin Guria. We've got Mike Bellucci. Fellas, it's it's been a few weeks, I think. It's been it's been a second. But it's good to good to see both your faces. It's good to hear your hottest Mavericks takes that you possibly have to drop. Let's let's just let's just go back to basics. Can I get a little vibe check on where the Dallas Mavericks are right now at this exact moment? Mike, you go ahead. It's been a sec. Yeah, it has. Well, it's right after the deadline. I think it's only been one episode. Yeah, it's since. All, yeah. But, you know, time moves fast in Mavs land, man. Um, it feels I'll like it's been seven optimistic. seasons since the deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, well, let's go with cautiously optimistic. And I say that because after the Phoenix game, um, I think there was a lot of jubilation about this is really exciting and this is where this team is going. And I was more of the mind and I tweeted it that night. I viewed it as proof of concept that there is a lot of reason to be intrigued by what this team could do, but the road swing is really going to tell us a whole lot more. And so when you follow up the Phoenix win with, a, you know, not a disastrous loss against Adana, but a little disappointing given how well they started that game and how bad they looked into on the defensive interior yesterday. Uh, let's say cautious optimistic. I think there's a lot to be excited about here. There's still all of the big picture roster things that we feel encouraged by post deadline are there, but I think yesterday showed that, uh, all right, this might not be as seamless as, you know, parts of those first several games post deadline made this appear. You're saying they're not going to go undefeated the entire rest of the season. Just, you know, well, maybe no, but maybe they'll just win every game from here on out and only have one loss after the deadline. But how about that? That's okay. in play. That's that's on the table still. Honestly, if they if they lose another game, dead to us. I mean, that was the, that be... was the only like, aren't they paid to win? Yeah, I mean, am I wrong? Did, did, I mean, technically, you are because it's guaranteed contracts. Contract about? And, you know, it's they they get their money either way, but they should be paid to win. <laughs> I I think they're paid to watch just just like us. Bad. Monday coach? night. It is the one year anniversary. <laughs> you know, you'll probably listen to this Tuesday, but it is the one year anniversary of that quote. And the we're nearing the one year anniversary. Can we call it a one year anniversary when he's like paraphrased that quote four times since then? Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> always remember your first. You <laughs> Austin, can we get a vibe check? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the vibe is it's very good. It's very upbeat. I think the Suns game was a great a great way to start off after the break. It was a playoff-like atmosphere. It was a good um, example of what this team can look like in the playoffs, in a high-level playoff game. Um, and then I think the Indiana game, I think, yes, obviously they, they lost, but I think they lost in a way that provides interesting challenges. I don't think it that loss said anything that they have like a, a fatal flaw, but they have things that they have to work on in the second half of the season. And I think previously, like, this Mavs team has been very easy to diagnose. They are very, very dependent on three-point shot making, and they were a small team, and if they didn't make shots, 
that's pretty much that was pretty much it. And I think they have new challenges that they're gonna have to figure out, not only in the rotation, but also the way they play defenses, the way they play different teams, especially teams that play five out. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they uh scheme up those challenges in the second half of the season. But I think generally the the vibe is good. They have a a good basketball team, but it's going to be a very difficult second half of the season because it's tough in the West. They've gone seven and three in the last ten games, and they went from seventh to eighth in the Western Conference standings. It's just it's a tough time. Yeah. Mike, uh on the last episode last week, me and Austin talked a lot about the the rotation and specifically the center rotation and kind of what to do with it. Against Indiana, Derek Lively only got 14 minutes. Gafford played another 19. And then the rest was should I try to do quick math on the podcast? This is dangerous. Um, <laughs> That's iffy. 30, 33 Not minutes. Not our core competency. 30, 33 minutes. 33 minutes with a lone center. So that's uh, another 15 with just Maxi as a lone center. Where do, you, where do you fall on, you know, we, we like the optionality. We like the functionality. We like that Dallas is not destined to play one style. That is what, you know, brought them to the conference finals two years ago. And it's also what ended their season. They had one way to play. They had a very set rotation. Now they have a lot of options and right. none of those options worked too well against Indiana on whatever day that was monday sunday sunday i know yeah, that sunday um well where, so do you, me, where do you fall on all that before i do let me ask you a question as the man who is around this team is there a oh, reason goodness. because right after Derek lively comes back from the injury you know there is the rhetoric about there is a minutes cap do you still believe there is a minutes cap or do you believe this was jason kidd no. making a choice yesterday no 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 this is a choice okay yeah. uh i am of the mind that when you are getting hammered on the interior and on the pick and roll and miles turner is a tricky guy to guard but i'm of the mind that size is the best option to go with um i i like that they are you know look i i know for instance our, our comrade dave dufour you know he's been excited about these ideas about you know pj being out there and moonlighting a little bit at the five and it's been interesting to see him and maxi do the mobile big thing but you were investing resources namely the only lottery pick you're going to have for a long time and a first round pick uh, to get Derek Lively and to get Daniel Gafford. You are playing a team with an all-star big man. Play the big men that you have. Uh, I am, you know, I'm of the mind that you shouldn't get too cute. And I get that against Phoenix. It's a little bit of a different look. They have one big man, right? Other than Nurkic, they don't have a real second big. That's not as much the case yesterday. Um, and just you, in general, you want a I mean, quick I would like, stat that, that adds to your point? By all means. Derek Lively the second was plus nine. The only plus minus on the uh, on the entire team. Sure, and, and, like, I mean, listen, we're like, back. In, in individual plus minus, it, it, it yeah, truly, yeah, yeah. I don't, but, I don't think the plus nine nine actually represented Lively being that much better. But he was the one guy who, when they was out there, it was kind of working for a few. For a well, and you know, to that point, I mean, look, I think the argument you have to buy to not play him and to lean into Maxi being on the floor more often in a five role is this idea that Maxi is a more mobile big man than any alternative. And Maxi Kleba, even at 32 years old, is a very mobile and athletic big. The problem is I'm not sure that he's actually more athletic or mobile than 19-year-old, sorry, 20-year-old Derek Lively at this point, because Lively is so athletic that to me, I don't think you're sacrificing mobility putting him out there, but you will gain defensive solidity that Maxi doesn't have, and you'll get some rebounding potential. So 
you know, yeah, it's nice to have optionality, but I don't think that's useful if you're straying for what you do best. And to me, how many teams in this league can roll out 48 minutes of an athletic from rolling big, right? That's why we were all excited about the Gafford move to pair with Lively. And so far, we're not seeing it to that same degree. I mean, I guess the counterpoint is I agree that Derek Lively is more athletic than Maxi at this point of both their careers. Sure. Are you really thinking that Derek Lively, for example, is going to do a better job job guarding Kevin Durant? Because there were some stretches where Maxi and and that's that's the that's the the veteranness, you know, that's the that's the the savviness. And as much as I think and I think it's pretty important to his future that that Derek does evolve into a more, you know, a, a competent, switchable big man. Is that something that you can really ask of him? And again, maybe the Indiana, you know, maybe Indiana is an example where there's no one on the court that, you know, poses the same problem as as Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, I was fine with it against Phoenix, right? It's just they went back to that well yesterday, and I didn't think yesterday was the day to do that. Yeah, I think this game was a, a learning lesson for Lively. Even though he had a great plus minus, I thought he did struggle with the way that Indiana played five out and the way they spaced and the way they ran the pick and roll. I thought, honestly, <laughs> Carlo had a, that was a masterclass Carlisle game. He really, honestly, he won that game for Indiana. They, they, they out schemed the maps on both ends. And I think it's not just only defensively that I think Maxi plays better against a five out scheme. I think offensively, he's also a little more comfortable um, playing five out with a bumble big. And when they want to play five out, I think he's still, He's not a better player than Lively, but he still knows how to play with Luca within that scheme, which, again, is fine. Lively is, is a rookie. It is his first year in the NBA. He is far outseated everyone's expectations. He is so much better than anyone ever thought he would be, but he's still, he's still a rookie. He's still learning, and I think they're at the part of the season where you have to go and try and win games. And I do think the one thing I think I've learned from watching these two games is that their best lineup is still probably Maxi at the five. They they just don't have to do it all game. I think they still do execute at the highest level when they're playing PJ and Maxi at the five. Like their plus minus has been the best when they have that have that lineup out there and they can defend at a high level when they do it. They just can't do that for thirty minutes a game. But I think especially when we get to the playoffs, I think for a lot of matchups, you'll see Maxi and PJ at the five, four and five when they really need to get stops and they really need to score baskets in the fourth quarter. I think there's some lively games coming up against Jared Allen and Cleveland yeah. against uh, uh, Podal and Podal. Why does that Pirtle. sound so weird? Yeah, Podal. That's his Pirtle. name. Hurdle. 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 Yeah. That's what I said. I don't know. They should, they should, I, every NBA player should be like player one. You just, <laughs> they just get a number assigned to them. Counterpoint, every NBA player should have like an anthropomorphic animal attached to them, right? If Pirtle's the turtle, like I, I want to be able to associate animal image with this NBA player. Remember remember when the taxonomy was going everybody. off, like the little the wordle version of like the basketball wordle. It was great. It's a great game. Yeah, yeah. And what happened to it? It, it definitely still exists and it's out there and we just yeah. stopped playing it. But yeah, it was it was a fun, it was a fun 90 days. Uh, Look, I guess like, it's it's great, it's great to have a little dopamine hit. Yeah. Until you get bored of it, and you got to go to the next one. Uh, no, I think I think Podol, Toronto, Jared Allen, Cleveland, um, Boston is a different story. 
Maybe Philly, though. The, you know, the, the yeah, game after that. F- F- Philly would be a good game for him. Definitely the next two games are definitely Lively and Gafford games. And I would like to see Lively earn the minutes and, and be the guy who closes down the stretch and deserves it. I, I think that is the best case scenario. I guess, can I can I push back on this idea like that Austin brings up about PJ and Maxi being their best lineup? If that is your best lineup, and I'm not necessarily arguing against that in the in the near term, but like, what is the goal of this season, right? And like, what is because invariably, if that's your best lineup, you're gonna lose the rebounding battle, and you are not going to be as effective on the in the pick and roll game on the attack, you know. And especially like, I don't buy necessarily in the half court because you know Luca with an athletic big is such a cheat code for this offense. Meanwhile, you know, to Maxi Kleba's immense credit, he's been so much more aggressive on the offensive end in the last you know three weeks than I think we've seen in a while, but. We've also known how quickly they can fall apart. And sure, you can adjust, but I guess my point is simply that, like, if this is your best lineup, maybe it makes you a little bit more likely to get, you know, it's a little more airtight defensively right now. But if the cost is you're not going to win the rebounding game and you take away some real offensive gravity that, that helps you on that end of the floor, which is where Dallas is better, is this really that much of an advantage? Or is this just a safe thing that will lower your ceiling when in reality, I think we can agree for any, like, this team is ready to win a title. So why not lean into ceiling and into variance? Because maybe you can out athlete some people if you are trying the higher risk, but you know, higher reward approach. I, I, I guess the counter argument is that Dallas at its best and Luka Doncic at his best is a team that plays any traditional center off the court. That when you, when, when Dallas is going, when Dallas is working, it is a, it, you have to small ball them. And there may be instances where it does make sense to. I'm, I'm getting annoying with this term, big ball. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to make it a thing a little too hard. I, I get it, but there may be instances where it makes sense to big ball, even when teams are going small. Right. But so so I guess I, I have two questions. Uh, why didn't they do that against Miles Turner last night on on Sunday? And. The game coming up against Boston, I think, is fascinating, and we're not going to record before they play Boston. And so I, I'd also be curious to hear how you guys think that Boston game is going to go. But we, we can start with Indiana and, and, and Turner. Dallas' own. Dallas? Where's he from? Yeah, he's from Dallas. Uh, Which, Arlington? Which suburb? Yeah. He's from Euless. He went to Euless Trading. Euless. Euless. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I thought he was Nobody, Arlington Martin for some reason. Yeah. Nobody he, should have to be from Euless. Man. <laughs> Shot Actually, Josh. the last time the last time I slandered a Dallas suburb on this podcast, I got several replies about it. And so, you you list people, t- go ahead, reach out, you might, hit me. You might get a you might get a personal text message. Josh Bow from Mavs Moneyball went to Euless Trinity. Oh, oh, don't oh, make no. Josh mad. Same 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 high school as as Miles Turner. So you okay? Enormous enormous what yeah. just happened. Josh We're have, about to Josh find out to if Josh Bow listens to our podcast. <laughs> By the way, shout out Josh Bo, who had a really good thread on um, how well Carlo coached um, and outcoached Dallas yeah, in the Indiana. He's very good at that. Indiana um, yeah. Sorry, one of you guys tackle one of my questions. I mean, why can't it just be as simple as like, I mean, because literally when you asked why was it, why didn't they do this against Miles Turner? Uh, for those of you, since we are not a visual podcast, I was throwing my hands up like, I don't know. Uh, it could be, you know, listen. Jason Kidd's a man who likes to play veterans. Maxi Kleba is a very known commodity. He's been here for a while. He will do what Jason asks to the best of his ability in all situations. 
Maybe it's that simple. You know, I mean, for as much as they leaned on Lively for up to this point, they also leaned on Derek Lively because they had no alternative for much of the year with Maxi out and Daniel Gafford not at this roster and PJ Washington not in this roster. Now they they don't have to play Derek Lively. I would argue they should, and that there are things in the near term that he does already better than any big in the roster. And obviously the ceiling with him is so much higher than anyone else, anyone else big picture. So lean into it, but they don't have to now. So maybe Jason Kidd would rather lean on more experienced options. Yeah. And I think I'm into that. Were... is, is, is miles the most Porzingis like big in the league? Yeah. And I think he was also, it, he was like, hitting short jumpers. It wasn't just the three point shots, yeah. but I think, I think Lively struggled a little bit to get back to Miles and how to cover um, that pick and roll coverage. I, I mean, again, they they put on a masterclass and they hit a lot of they had a lot of two point jumpers that was a little bit difficult for Lively to cover, and also that made the defense a little a little a little shaky. And they put Tamori Jr. and and Kyrie Irving and and Luca in a lot of situations where they needed to rotate on the back end and. Fortunately, there aren't too many offenses in the NBA that are like the Pacers that the Mavericks will have to face. I think the Pacers are honestly one, maybe the most difficult cover for the Mavericks in the way they like to play defense in the NBA because they that, have that they was can, bad offensively too, and they were one, bad offensively. Yeah, one hundred nine offensive rating. That's an awful against that type of defense. Yeah, like because those like they didn't play great defense, but this was a game lost because they couldn't hit shots. They couldn't hit shots. Right. The Pacers. And we're gonna get. We're gonna get to that. Game. There's a couple of things we got to get through first, but yes, yeah. we're gonna get to the big, the big question, the big topic of the week for Dallas Mavericks fans. Sorry, Austin. Uh, finish your point. But yeah, and then even you mentioned it, like they did not hit shots on the offensive end, and the reason why they did that is because the Pacers switched everything. They had a really switch heavy scheme. And Lively and also Gafford aren't as effective in a switch-heavy scheme because you're not going to really throw the ball in the post. And I think Lively is still kind of floating in and out when they, they play a switch-heavy scheme. And Maxi's still a little more decisive as far as where to be with the spacing. Because when you play a switch-heavy scheme, you have to have a really, really good spacing. And I think this game, that, that was maybe one of the worst offensive games they played all season. Just as a collective unit, they had as many assists as they had turnovers, which is just... Like Carl just junked up the game for them. And honestly, that's why I think it was a, a good learning experience. Not many teams can get them to play that poorly on offense and also get them to play that poorly on defense. I think both ways, that's the first time I really thought they were really just purely out-schemed on both ends of the floor. And I thought it was, that's why I thought it was such an interesting game as far as like schematics go, because they, they're going to have to figure out something, how to combat this. Because I think other teams will, will look at that tape and kind of figure out how to do do that to the Mavericks. Real quick, I, I just want to acknowledge I said Miles is the most uh, KP-like big. Uh, people are probably yelling, have been yelling ever since. Why did you not say Chet Holmgren? He doesn't rebound. Oh, I was going to say you know, Carl not, Towns. Not to that degree. He's, he's, he's still small. Uh, Towns Towns for sure. Towns, But Towns doesn't play the four. Minnesota's just a different... Towns, uh, that's a, that's Towns a, does play the four. He plays sorry, Towns, 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 Towns does play the four. KP four. Sorry, oh. sorry, sorry. I, I said that wrong. I said that wrong. Thank you. Um... I think I think you can put a traditional big up against Holmgren, and that's why I think OKC would be a great playoff matchup for Dallas. I think you can put a traditional big and bully him. I don't think you can do that. You you can't you can't do that with Turner. That's a is a big lad. I think Porzingis is as well. Um, I think that's all. I felt like there's one more thing to say. Should we just go on to the the Tim Hardaway of it all? Probably. You guys know I can't say mean things about a fellow Tim, 
So it might have to be a lot of you guys doing heavy lifting here. You know, I do it all the time. So it's really natural. Yeah, for <laughs> you, yeah. You know, it's like you've had a lot of practice. You've had a lot of, a lot of reps. Yeah. I, I guess let's start with. So why is he playing minutes? Why is he playing so many minutes? I think that is the more interesting question to me. And then we can talk about his actual play. And it was only 23 on, you know, against Indiana. That is, that is not the reason Dallas lost 23 minutes from a bench player is not the reason Dallas lost, but go ahead. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I feel like it's naive to ask, why is he playing so many minutes? Like he, He's a veteran. <laughs> it's it's just it's naive. Like he's been here for five years. He's a veteran on this team. He signed an extension here. He's a he has a ten digit contract. He he's going to get minutes. He's going to have to be bad for a very long time and harmful for ten plus games for him to not get at least fifteen minutes in a game. Like and the team trusts him. Like also, I mean he's played he played terrible in India. That was a an, Truly atrocious game. He played awful on both ends. That was a terrible game. I understand the full reaction to that game because it was bad. And he's played poorly throughout this vitriol. win streak. And yeah, the, 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 to, the to be specific. Yeah. Uh, if you go through the seven-game win streak and last night, Tim is averaging, uh, he's shooting 33.7% from the field, 31.5 from three. So it's been pretty abysmal, and we know the deal with Tim. If the shot isn't following, there isn't really anything being added other than he is a true wing-sized player on a team that doesn't have those. He takes charges. That's nice. Uh, you know, everything Austin says is right. I, I would say the one thing you didn't say, and I would tack on to this, is more than any other player on the roster, I think you could buy the gambler's fallacy with Tim of, hey, it has you know we haven't been hitting these dice tonight. We haven't been hitting the dice tomorrow. But Tim's gonna get hot, and once Tim gets hot, Tim can win a game, which is true, right? We we know this from Tim Hardaway Jr. This is the one guy on this team, other than Luke and Kyrie, who can really take over and on the right night. And what was it, the New Orleans game? It was him and Kyrie that put up eighty combined, something to that effect. Yeah. It's so tempting, and I really do think part of it it's too, more than eighty. Like, by the way, it was like eighty two, eighty three. Yeah, you know, it was more than eighty. It was eighty plus. Uh, I also am tempted to think like there is a small element with Tim of like his jumper is so fucking pretty that like if he yeah. shot like Kevin Martin, <laughs> if yeah. he shot like Kevin Martin and he was playing like this, if that was his stroke, you'd be like, oh, th- this man is broken. Get him out of here. But it looks so smooth. And when he's in motion, it looks so good. And, you know, when it's hot, it's so easy to get sucked back into this. But the you guys know is- this theory. It's, it's the Marcus Smart theory. He yeah. behaves like a shooter. He's never been a good shooter, but because he behaves like a shooter, he has gravity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Tim's an actual shooter. shooter. So, yeah, right. The problem is, again, when there's no shot, there's no anything. And this is a guy who, you know, and I want to kick it back to Austin in a minute because Austin had a great tweet that I would like him to talk more about in regards to why, you know, Jaden Hardy, who, you know, I've had the agenda for, why Jaden Hardy may fit this roster a little better right now. I'm not even sure I'm there yet. Where What I am there with this is, though, is there are depth options and there are players who could do other things. And you just, at a point when he's been this brutal and you have other ways to take it, whether it's, you know, another shoot first kind of guard and Hardy or just different skill sets. So somebody else could give you something. And this is a guy who, you know, my big issue with Tim, and I've always been probably the low man of the podcast of the three of us on him, even when things are going well, is just, I can't see a world in which 
he's on the next really good team that this, you know, the next version of this contender, if it happens in the next few years, I don't think he's on that team because you can't, even to the best of times, you cannot play him with Luka and, and Kyrie. It does not work defensively. There's been so much data on this, even with Luka improving on that in the floor. And so if he's not part of the future and he's hurting you in the present, you can't use him. Like, not to this degree. I'm not saying cut him out of the rotation, but, I mean, some restraint needs to be put in here. You know, you need to put the governor on this thing at this point. Let me let me rattle off a few quick things before we get to the the hearty of it all. First off, that's that's my exact take. So you you are not an outlier here. My well, exact take is that that is that Tim Hardaway is very hard to replace. Um, this is a team without a lot of shooting. I, I know that sounds weird, but but it is you know, and they take they still take what are they at actually? They're second in the league last I checked. Um, they are second in the league behind only the Boston Celtics. This is a team that takes a lot of threes, but they don't have a lot of shooters. Um, Like Josh Green is the second most reliable spot up guy after Tim um, on the team, you know, outside of the two stars. Yes. Kyrie Kyrie and Luca at this point are, are the most reliable spot up three point shooters, but they're doing so much creating that you need people to space. And and I still think, I I still think two things. I, I think that, Tim does still have some hard to quantify value, even when he's shooting poorly, that value does not outweigh the type of performance he had against Indiana, but there is some sort of value that, that gets him like late in the Phoenix game. He came back in. You guys remember this? Like they're yeah. closing with uh Washington green and Maxi, mm-hmm. and Tim comes into the game late. I, I don't know for sure why that happened, but I'm pretty sure that there was a specific rotation that they were trying to get. And it was like, hey, Tim's, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be open in the corner. Um, or Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to keep that help side player tight to him. And that will unlock, like, there's still very, you know, he can do something with his gravity that that no one else on the team who is not Luca or Kyrie can do. I also think he's going to play better. I know this has been sure. horrid. He's been good most of the season, and I think he will be better. Um, But yeah, ultimately, I do agree that I think he's a player that they're going to move on from, you know, as the final iteration. I just think it's a lot harder to move on from him. Uh, Before the season, I wrote about this. I wrote about how him and Dwight Powell, who get a lot of vitriol, are really good players in their roles. They're just not good enough to, you know, be on a finals level team. And, And I think that's all true. I just think that they're a little underappreciated for what they do, but also right now, this is a real bad stretch from Tim, and it is hurting the team. I just, at some point, a streaky shooter is going to start streaking again. Yeah, and Not I think literally, we hope. <laughs> Not literally, that was bad. It, that wasn't a it, good joke. Go ahead. In the macro sense, yeah, he. I don't think he's the perfect fit for this roster when they're really contending. But in the micro sense, game to game, when fans are upset that he's playing so many minutes, he is second in total minutes for the team through the season. Second in total points. The, the guy is just playing every game. He's been one of the most he's reliable second players. Second in points? Second he's, in total points for the entire well, season. I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, second in minutes. So much time, but that's yeah. still crazy. It's crazy. That's So like a guy that's second in total minutes and second in total points for your team in game 56, 57, you're not gonna just going to bench him for the entire game, he, he's going to yeah. get a lot of leeway. The reason he gets a lot of leash is because he's he has played well for the majority of the season, but he's obviously not played well. I And I personally think that Jane Hardy 
does have a better skill set now that they have multiple big wings that they can play out there. They're less reliant, I think, on Tim's skill set with this new roster. And that's that's why the the fit is so clunky now. I think Jaden's skill set is a little better because he can he can do a little bit more off the dribble and you Wait, don't have to sorry. play him as many minutes. Your stat that stat was so unbelievable that I just went to check myself. <laughs> it's, and it's true. I had to look it up. No, Would you I like to guess here's here's a stat that is even crazier to me. Would you like to guess who is fifth in points scored this season? In total points scored this season. Oh man. Jaden Hardy. Oh. Ha! He's fifth. How is he fit? Oh, you're right. He's how is he fifth in total points? He scored? has more points than Josh Green. That's crazy. That that how one, is that possible? Yeah, that's, that's wild. <laughs> that's he's got almost wild. twice. Okay, not almost twice, but he's got more than a hundred more points than Derek Lively. He's got more than a hundred more. Uh, he's got almost twice as many points as Dante Axum. He Jaden Hart is also third in games played this year. That's. What? Remember when he like didn't play the first game? We were like, yeah, a spot for Jaden Hardy in the rotation, and then it just very. Anyways, Austin, go keep going with with the Hardy point. Why you? Thank you for focusing us. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that that blew my mind. So no, no, no. That is wild. But I want to hear this. But I think Jaden's skill set is he's a little more quick trigger, and also you can he's not as important emotionally to the team. If you sit Jaden Hardy. And you only you only play him twelve to fifteen minutes. It's fine if you play him twenty to twenty five minutes. That's also fine. But also his skill set kind of fits in along Kyrie and Luca and Exum. Once Exum starts playing and if he's healthy, and you have Exum and Josh and Derek Jones Jr. playing the three and PJ Washington playing thirty minutes a game, then you can play Hardy a little a few more minutes because you have other defenders on the floor. I also think Hardy might eventually is probably a better defender than Hardaway right now. I. Th- not by a lot, but I mean, I think not he's a high bar to clear, but not a yeah. high bar to clear, but a he, little bit more locked in a little like, bit. It's just so spacey. Yeah. We, I think we watched like the game like yesterday a, and you remember when I was just like, why are you not touch tight to the shooter? Yeah. 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 I, I, I think it's just like, just there's like, no rhyme or reason. He just like isn't out there. Yeah. And Hardy's skill set is a little more diverse than Tim's at this point. And they don't, they're just not as reliant upon Hardaway's skill set as they were prior to the trade. And it's going to be a tricky thing for, for Kit to thread because, again, Hardaway is a, a major part of this team, part of the core of this team for a very long time, has played a lot of minutes here, has performed in playoffs here. So you can't just, you know, banish him to the bench. But I think eventually that would be a big storyline going on the second half of the seasons. How I think at the beginning of the year, we were like, oh, Hardy and Seth Curry, and how, how do they split their minutes? How do they find parts in the rotation? I think once Exum comes back and he gets into the flow of the rotation and he's healthy and they have Exum and they have Green and they have Luka and they have Kyrie, I think if you're going to play somebody 10 minutes and you want production for 10 minutes, that's actually one thing that Jane Hardy is very good at. He's like, give me 10 minutes. I will go get you eight points in 10 minutes and then I'll go yeah. sit right back down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, part of the, you know, part of the value of Tim is that Tim is not afraid to shoot and to be aggressive and take the looks that he has. Uh, Jaden Hardy is also not afraid of that. And Jaden Hardy, yeah. we know for whatever, you know, pain points are still growing in his game, can hit the three. I, I think what you said about Exum is the key here. I think Jason, right now, as much as we might sit here and say Hardy might fit a little better, it's very easy for him, as Tim pointed out. You know, Jaden Hardy is a second year guy. It's very, you know, it's very easy for Jason Kidd to say, yeah, you're not going to play that much. We'll give Tim that rope. 
Jones' shooting has regressed. We need his shot out there. Fine. Once Dante Exum gets back, if Dante Exum stays healthy, he adds enough other things to the floor that he should be playing over both those guys. And then what you are down to is, I mean, frankly, if you had to ask me what the ideal for Tim would be at this point, I, I would treat it. We're going to make a little cross sports comparison here because, you know, I am the sports editor of D Magazine, right, about all the things. Uh, it's, it's you know, if you're a Ranger fan, it's Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman in the playoffs, uh, in this World Series run, you knew at about 10 pitches if this was going to go well or if this was going to get real scary real quick. And uh, the difference between this and baseball is baseball, you just kind of had to white knuckle it and just deal with it and hope that this was going to get better. And whatever happens, happens. That obviously doesn't have to be the case in basketball. I think with Tim, you know pretty quickly what's about to happen. Um, and if it's not on and he's not doing things in a hurry, get him out. Because to your point, Austin, Jaden Hardy in eight, nine minutes, you can he'll find a way to get you those eight points and get out there. So I think if you're looking for how things should be, with Tim in a world in which Dante Exum is back and healthy. And we know Josh Green has clawed his way back into the starting lineup. And you know that even if Jones is shooting his regress, the defense is there. Tim needs to be a, what can he get us in short bursts? And is he on tonight weapon? Do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't. But I think that is how this should happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this team needs Exum back. I mean, he's yeah. the yeah. second best shooter this year from three, 48%. Man, that, big, this is the that 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 is unfortunately that has to fall. There, there's been a little bit of tiny sample size theater. Yeah. Uh, would you guys like to guess who the uh, the team's best shooter is? Is it Josh Green? Is it Josh Green? Because it for, for me, it's not. I said Exum was forty eight percent this year. Forty eight. So is Dante Exum the best shooter of the team? Is this a trick question? No, it's Dwight Powell. One of two. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good one to end on. <laughs> yeah. One of two guys. One of two. That's, that's, that's literally, he makes that's... half of his threes. He should be shooting way more. Yeah. It's, it's, time, it's time to bring back stretch four. Dwight Powell. <laughs> hey, uh, Austin, Mike, thank you. Uh, listeners, thanks for listening. I think this was a fun one. I enjoyed doing it. Uh, we will be back soon. Soon. Um, I'm actually really curious how this Boston games go. I'm, I'm not on this road trip. Maybe, maybe if I'm inspired Austin, maybe we'll we'll see if we can loop you in, Mike. Maybe we'll do something after Boston if if it's a real telling one. How's that sound? There's there's a chance I'm seeing Dune two during during the Boston game, so we'll, we'll see. Okay, I'm seeing it Thursday at three p.m. <laughs> like a grown up. <laughs> but okay, but, that's fine. Well, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll, we'll do a know. little weekend bonus pod. Maybe, maybe we'll we'll, we'll see, see how the game goes. We'll see if, you know, if it, if it's just KP's revenge tour, I, I don't think there's any need. <laughs> All right, we're done. Thanks for listening. We'll see ya. Hey, how's it going? What? What do you mean dozens? You sound insane. No, you're confused. Have you heard the song? Yeah, this is the only Mavericks podcast to exist ever. This is the only Mavericks podcast. This is the only Mavericks podcast.